Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined, as always, by Diana Yoakum and Robert Brokamp. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello, Allison. How are we feeling this week? We're great. Look oh. at Robert's shirt. <laughs> yeah, everyone. Yeah, everyone let's on pause the podcast. Look at my shirt. Look at your shirt. I, I. It took me a minute. So it's the periodic table featuring HG. Anyone? Anyone? Atomic weight of eighty. And then what? The giveaway here is the. Sergeant Pepperish looking gold jacket. Anyone? It's a t-shirt about Freddie Mercury. Singer, lead singer. Yeah, it's clever. It's funny. It's my favorite t-shirt, I have to say. Yeah, it's Yes, we will rock you. So yeah, so we're getting off to a quick start here on the show today, talking about Bro's t-shirt. I'm just going to do Queen songs throughout the podcast. I think they'll find that very helpful in today's discussion, so I'm glad that's what you're bringing to the table. So... We receive a lot of mail about how to buy your first stock. It can seem intimidating, but we're here to walk you through it step by step. And by the end of the show, Young Grasshopper, you'll know if you're financially ready to invest. You'll also know how to choose a broker and even what to look for in a stock. Think of us like your own investing Mr. Miyagi, and we aren't even going to make you wax our car. Oh, I was totally thinking wax on my This is totally like 70s, 80s references podcast. So before we get started, let me say that The Motley Fool's 13 Steps are a great resource for helping you get started investing. So you can head to fool.com slash 13 steps. That's fool.com slash 13 steps. And also, here's something that's kind of cool. We just published a new book. Bet you guys didn't know that. It's a new ebook. It's aptly titled The Motley Fool Guide to Investing for Beginners. You can get it on Amazon for $3. You can buy it for yourself, buy it for a loved one. That, in addition with what we're going to talk about today, is going to get you off on the right foot, right? Right. Yes, exactly. So before you can buy your first stock, you have to ask yourself if you're even ready financially to invest. So, Diana, what's the checklist that people need to go through before they buy their first stock? Pretty simple checklist here. You want to have no high interest debt, credit card debt. Get rid of that. Have a clean slate. Uh, Another thing is um, that you want to have an emergency fund in place, or at least have started that emergency fund. So the classic advice is three to six months of, and I say required absolute pay expenses. So you you're talking about your mortgage or rent, food, clothes, your living expenses. Yeah, the things you have to pay in case you lose a job. You often use it also if your car breaks down or something like that. If you have kids in a mortgage, it should be closer to that six months. If you don't have kids and you're just paying rent, you're really worried about losing your job or maybe the car breaking down, smaller amount is fine. And that gets us to a question from Jillian C. Because she wanted to know, once I have this emergency fund, what, where can I put the money? What do I do with that money? Does it just sit in a pile under your mattress or where does it go? Mattress isn't a great idea, but yeah, unfortunately it's not going to be a super exciting place to put your money. You're not going to get a huge return given what what bank accounts pay these days. So right. So basically you, leave you, it in a bank account. Yeah, you need yeah. access to it. I mean, that's the whole point. You don't want it tied up in something that you're going to have to pay a penalty for instance to get access to. So a CD while yeah, you'll possibly earn more interest on it if you need to cash that out to pay to replace the transmission in, on your car you're going to pay a fee but also early you pay 3 months of interest yeah you're going to you're going to pay a penalty to access right. that 
CD, usually giving up some of the interest that you've earned. Right. Emergency fund is about insurance. So with insurance, you're not looking for a return. You're looking for safety. Yeah. And then the other thing before you start investing is also if you've got a 401k that you're maxing that out at least to the point where you're getting the match because there are a lot of tax advantages to that. So, okay, so, those, so there's your checklist. No credit card debt, have an emergency fund of at least three to six months, and max out your 401k match. Boom. Boom. Next step. <laughs> Oh. Open up a brokerage account. Yeah. So, Robert, take me take me into the Wayback Machine to the days of how people used to buy stocks before the internet. Right. And I used to be a financial advisor, and I got uh, into that career right as the internet was sort of transforming the industry. Used to be you, you had to call your broker and say, I want to buy this stock. And you also didn't have your computer to look up the quote, so you'd call and say, what's Coke trading at today? Uh, okay, I will buy or sell these number of shares, and you paid a commission. And it was uh, a percentage of the transaction could be over a hundred dollars, maybe hundreds of dollars. Really? Um, so when you think about now being able to pull up your computer, click a button, pay seven, eight, fifteen dollars to do that trade, it's quite something. Right? Because we had a couple of questions from uh, Jen and also Brian D. Um, Jen wanted to know, is there an online trading firm that you like best for me to open an account? Um, and Brian pretty much had the same question. Is there a recommendation on where to purchase investments, such as ones that are user-friendly or light on fees? So, what should you consider when you're looking to choose a broker? Because there's a lot of options out there, right? Like, we can probably name, we could probably do a drinking game where we have to like each go around the circle and name one, and we could probably go quite a and few. And that'll rounds. be the next podcast, everyone. Make sure you tune in. <laughs> All right. We'll listen to Queen. Share Builder. <laughs> e Trade. So that is. We oh, will rock drink, you. Drink, 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 drink. Schwab. I said, I said the next podcast. Oh, oh sorry. sorry. Yeah, so there are a ton of options of online brokers. So how do you pick one? So you start with what do you want to invest in? So we're talking about individual stocks, and people often look at price on that. And it can be six, seven dollars, or fifteen, twenty dollars to make that trade. You want to do a lower price, of course. Ideally, you're not day trading, so it won't make that big of a deal. And you think of what else will you be investing in in this account? All these accounts also offer hundreds to thousands of mutual funds. Sometimes you can buy those for free, sometimes not. Uh, beyond that, it really comes down to all kinds of different services. So they might offer online banking, they might offer mobile trading, they might offer free research. Those are sort of lower down yeah. on the list. Uh, if you want to speak to an actual human being, many of these discount brokers actually have offices, usually in the bigger cities. But if you live in a bigger city and you want to actually speak to a human being, see if which offices are in your area, and then you can go there and talk to them about the account. And another one is, is account minimums, minimum requirement right. to open an account. And for uh, for mutual funds, often you'll see $500, $1,000, $2,000 minimum to invest. So, again, here today we're talking about individual stocks, and uh, we have a broker center where you can look, you can compare all of the major Discount brokers side by side. Broker.fool.com. That's for example. Go to broker.fool.com, and and there you'll be you'll see what services they offer. Are there any specials? All of that stuff. So you can look side by side to 
pick the account that's going to work best. It, right. In some in some accounts, you have to open it up. You have to have twenty five hundred dollars just to open the account. In others, you need nothing. So mm-hmm. you do have to. That'll definitely be one of the criteria. And I was going to say, it's probably um, helpful to point out to our new investors out there that if you do open up an account and then you're like, you know what, I don't really like these guys. It's not like it's super hard to open up a brokerage account, and also you can have more than one brokerage account. Like, don't have them all over town, right. but don't feel like you're marrying this broker. Right. Just dating around. Just, just dating around. Just, dating, just trading around. So, so, so go for it. So, right. all right. So, yeah, go to our broker center, broker.fool.com, and you can compare any number of different brokers. All right, let's move on to talk about what you should actually buy. The what should you stuff. look for? The fun stuff. What should, because it's time to go shopping. <laughs> what should you look for in that first stock that you should buy? And we have a couple um, questions that came in, one from Debbie V. She wanted to know what we thought about a specific company, and she was a first stock investor. Uh, and then Nicole J also wanted to know how do I know what's a great business to invest in? So, yeah, I, I it's it's great. I just had this conversation with a friend of mine, Alyssa, who has been listening to our podcast. So, hey, Alyssa, hey, Alyssa, <laughs> uh, and she uh, was inspired. She opened her discount brokerage account. She opened Yay. a share builder account, and. I said, okay, well, what what are you looking at? She created a watch list of stocks, which is great. On her watch list was Apple and Amazon. Uh, those are two companies that she knows. Tesla, she's kind of excited about it because uh, it's cool. And Macy's, her company was actually just acquired by Macy's. And then she mentioned Halliburton. Halliburton. <laughs> Why can't you say Halliburton? Halliburton. <laughs> I don't know. Halliburton. Halliburton. The reason that was on there, she thought she thought it was a company that Warren Buffett owned, but he does not. He does not. He does not. And then she had a couple blue chips on there. It was GE. Uh, and what is a blue and chip? J and J, a very large company. There usually people refer to them as the stalwarts of the stock market. Right. So you're talking about Coke, McDonald's, yeah. Walmart, those types. They're not actually all that often all that safe, but nonetheless, that yeah. that's why they call them blue chips. I guess because of poker, right? That's the most valuable chip. Yeah. There you go. Right. This led to a great discussion. I asked, "Well, why? What do you know about the defense industry exactly? Nothing. Okay. Well, you know, maybe that's not where your maybe first Halliburton in, is not the first stock. You where buy. your first yep. dollars you go to for GE and J and J. I understood she wanted she she felt like she needs some diversification, some stability. Um, in her IRA, she op- she owns uh, index funds, and I said, you know, you actually already own shares of that of those companies, and you're di- well diversified within that. The point here of buying individual stocks is to find to to bet on companies that you think are out- going to outperform the index, so that you can get more exposure to those. And then for Macy's, I said, okay, you've got already got some exposure to them because you're working for them now. So, on the flip side. Working for them also gives her insights into that business that she might, that other investors might not necessarily know about. But again, perhaps that's not where your first dollars should go. Right, because if Macy's goes south, then her paycheck or bonuses, get, yeah, yeah right. and all of that. You're mixing your human capital with your investment capital, and mm-hmm. you don't want to be too concentrated. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. That's there you nice go thing. to put it in financial planner terms. Yeah. So these are again the kinds of questions that you consider when you're making your watch list of companies what's going to make you what are you going to be excited about buying uh, and what are some industries that 
you want to bet on that you think are going to do well over the long term. You're a customer of them. You understand how they work. Yeah, that you have an interest in. Like you, you. I often compare investing to sports. Right, a lot of people will wake up and every morning the first thing they look at is you know what's going on with their favorite team. You know, we don't recommend that you wake up every morning and look at your investments every day. But is it something you're excited to learn about? If mm-hmm. a if a new earnings report comes out about that company, you're like, yeah, I want to know how they're doing. Right. So my the first stocks that I bought, um, I were a big learning experience because I bought um, Corning because they built they put glass on the front of Apple iPhones. So I thought, well, Apple iPhones are huge. Corning, and it's an old name that I know yeah. they're not going anywhere. Um, I bought a cloud computing company called Rackspace. I bought Lululemon, and I bought um, Mako, which was healthcare. Yeah. And so Mako is oh my gosh, awful. Like it's just. <laughs> and then I believe in financial advisor terms. That's right. <laughs> That's it's, how. That's how. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Rackspace, boy, they went through some rough times, and they're not beating the market. Lululemon's not beating the market, but I knew, I knew Lululemon and yoga yeah. and clothing, and Corning. When I bought Corning, I, I was telling people, "Hey, I just bought my one of my first stocks. I bought Corning." All these people were like, "Oh, I don't know about Corning." But it's been my best stock. <laughs> And so it's funny. why did they say that? Because they didn't like the company at the time. They were like they didn't think that Apple was going to keep buying glass from Corning, mm-hmm. and so that they would. But th- but Apple did keep buying glass from Corning, and Corning has continued to do pretty well. So and what? So, and what percentage of their business is the providing of glass? I don't know. See, and so the, one of some of the big mistakes I made with my first stocks was I don't I didn't understand healthcare stuff. Right. I didn't understand cloud computing. I understood yoga apparel, and Lululemon's had its own problems. So whatever, I'm not going to beat myself over that one. And so, so three out of the four stocks I bought, I didn't understand anything about them. Um, and some, and I've lucked out that some did well, some did, some didn't. But I, since since buying those first stocks, I have learned so much more about what point. I'm interested in. So, so for example, the last stock I bought was TJ Maxx, and it's done because I spend a lot of money at TJ Maxx, mm-hmm. and um, it's done really well, yeah. which is great, and that's so satisfying to invest in something that you believe in and that you like. And you know, when I go check out at TJ Maxx, I'm like, so how's business been lately? <laughs> How was the holiday By the shopping? Way, I own you. By the way, yes, <laughs> I just pick up like a, a something off their counter. Or a stapler and be like, I own this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna let see you, you look come, after it. They see you coming, like, oh, here comes the boss. Here Start comes working the boss. hard. No, but it's, I, it's, I'm, my mindset is so much different. So with when those first stocks, I was like, I gotta buy high tech. Right. I gotta buy healthcare. Right. I gotta get all this sexy stuff. But I had, I had no business buying it. And so I guess my main point of my story of my first stocks is that um, buy what you know, buy what you're excited about, buy what you can understand. And then, if you find that you really enjoy investing and learning about those companies, then learn about other companies and expand it. But right. I think I, I, luckily, I didn't get too hurt. But one thing I also like about um, the whole buy what you know or buy what you use is that you can go into the companies like TJ Maxx and sort of think through, like, all right, how are they doing? How are they making money? You read the earnings report, for example, and you might learn that it's jewelry that's the highest margin product mm-hmm. at a store. So you go in there and you're like, okay, people hanging around the jewelry department look at there like, okay, I can see why people like this, or something's changed here. I don't, I don't like what they're yeah. offering. Or a lot of stuff is on clearance, for instance, like they're constantly having sales, and I'm getting more and more coupons for things. Right. So that's a yeah, this the 
the buy what buy what you know and where you can visit. Right, and then how you actually how you would bring that to the stock analysis. Then when you learn how to read balance sheets and stuff like that, and you start seeing maybe their inventory rising because they're not selling enough, mm-hmm. and then you you kind of learn those things more and more, and that's a hint like okay, something something's going on here. Maybe it's time to pare back on it or not buy as much, and you learn not only about stocks. But businesses is one thing I think everyone, everyone who's working, especially works for a business, even if it's the government, you're working for a business, something that has to make some sort of a profit. And you get a sense of your own company, like, okay, how are things looking here? Is it a good time to ask for a raise or not? Is it Mm, a good time to make a lateral move, try to move up, consider other job, um, job opportunities? So I think there are a lot of applications to life beyond growing your portfolio. Yeah, Yeah, the whole lesson here is that... it is a business. You're not buying a ticker symbol. Yeah. You're not buying a ticker. You are buying part of a business. And the more you know about that business and that, that industry, the more interested you're going to be in learning even more. And you'll see what the other players are doing mm-hmm. and the threats and the opportunities that are available to the company you're you've yeah. invested in. Yeah. I would say, yeah, I, that's one of the downsides of the whole buy what you know. Because mm-hmm. Uh, if you know it, probably a lot of other people do it. Mm. Um, a popular company could lead to a popular stock, which could be an overvalued stock. Um, one thing that you did very well, Allison. Thank you. Was that you bought more than one, and I think that's a big mistake too. We often say at the, at the mindful, just buy one stock, just get in the game. Uh, but if it does really badly, then you're going to feel like um, I don't want to do this anymore. Investing in the stock market is a bad idea. Um, so you bought a few, and you learned a lot. Um, and I also think it's a, it's a good lesson in terms of how much of your net worth you, you put mm-hmm. into your first few stocks. It should not be a significant portion. You should keep most of it still in index funds and mutual funds until you've learned how to invest in individual stocks and are comfortable with the risks there. Yeah, and with, with Alyssa, I happened to know what she was investing in elsewhere, so we could have a, a, a better conversation about what she should invest in outside of her of that index fund. But... This is the thing when you ask people on the street, "Hey, what stock should I buy?" You get a hot, hot tip. They don't know your financial situation. They don't know what your portfolio looks like. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Right. And do we know what she ended up buying? Yeah, she bought. Yeah, she texted me. She was super excited. She bought Apple, Tesla, and Amazon. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. So once you've bought your first stock or maybe stocks, um, Dan A. Daniel A. wanted to know. He says, I feel like everyone I talk to about the stock market is either really afraid or checks their stocks an average of five times an hour for the duration of their work day. Can you imagine back in the day, you call your guy five times an hour? Right. I'm, I'm telling <laughs> you, do it. when I was a broker, there were those people. They would yeah. call at least twice a day. And you knew which stocks they're going to ask about. So you just go, and then hang up. So Daniel would prefer to do none of those things, checking his stocks all day or being afraid. Mm -hmm. So, what is the best course of action for after you have purchased your first stock or stocks? So, what I texted Alyssa, I said, you know, you could check your stocks tomorrow. They may be down. Don't worry about it. Uh, If they're really down, then great. Shop, shop stocks on sale if you really believe in these companies. But this is an issue with with first time investors. It's when do I buy? When do I pull the trigger? Uh, and how do I avoid doing something stupid? So 
one thing you could do to not be that guy that's checking stocks all the time and driving yourself nuts and getting ulcers is to do something called dollar cost averaging or or buying in thirds. And this is a strategy where you don't have to pull the trigger just one time. You pull the trigger multiple times. So for Alyssa, for instance, it's you bought your first shares yesterday. Now mark a point on your calendar next month and buy more shares of the same company, and again for the following month, uh, the same amount of money. So you're not just buying, it's like, oh, I bought at the exact high of the stock, or I caught the low. Your, Your cost basis, what you've ended up purchasing, averages out because you've pulled the trigger multiple times. So that's one way to mitigate those feelings of when do when do I do this? When is the exact right time to go to buy? And just having that plan in place is really important. Yeah, and we obviously don't advise checking your stock every day because we also believe in holding on to a company for a very long time. Yeah. Right, at least five years ideally, um, hopefully longer. I recommend that people check out their companies quarterly. Every company has an earnings report every quarter. You'll see how they're doing. Management will might make some comment about how business is going. Um, so I think that's about as much as, as you need. I, you always hear about how studies show that people who check their stocks more often actually underperform or not, don't do as well because they trade more. I have to say it's one of those things I always hear. I should really confirm and see if that's true, but it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds it doesn't good. surprise me. And I, and, and I think for some people, it's sort of like the equivalent of Facebook. They just check it, check it, check it, and in the end, it kind of, it's kind of a waste of time, yeah. actually. So an- another issue that the New and all investors have is is the feeling that I have to pick the one company here that's going to be the winner, and that puts a lot of pressure on yourself as an investor to pick what's going to be the hot company in this sector. And you you don't have to. You do something that Warren Buffett talks about, which is buying a basket. Say there are multiple companies in operating in this space. So let's say Target and Walmart and and other discounters buy shares in all of them. So you have the exposure to that, and therefore you're not missing out when the the one takes off, and you can start doubling down on your position as that starts to happen. So, and that's particularly important if you're if you're buying into a new industry. Mm-hmm. You look at the history of any industry, you'll see a whole bunch of uh, new companies. And you look at the history of the automobile industry. I and mean, there used to be tens of companies. Some fail. Some get bought up by the winners, but if you own many of them, you can increase your chances that you'll own the winner, and the winner will, uh, the gains from the winner will make up for the losses in the yep. others. And you should also recognize everyone has big losses. From Warren Buffett on down, every investor has picked some stocks that did not do well. It's not just you specifically. You are going to buy stocks right. that are not going to, to do well. It's just part of the game. You know, Peter Lynch, one of the world's most famous investors, says that to be successful in investing, you just have to be right six or seven out of ten times. Right. Yeah. So, um, and yes, yeah, so, so to your point about when to sell, sometimes people recommend that when you buy a stock, you write down on a piece of oh, paper yeah. when you would sell that stock. So in my case, I would have sold Lululemon once I felt like their designs were not as attractive or interesting to me, but I didn't mm-hmm. because I didn't write that down on a little post-it. Do you guys recommend doing that, or do you feel it's more complex of a decision? Oh, I absolutely. I I think that you should definitely keep a diary of why you bought the company. Dear diary. Dear diary. Dear diary. I have a crush on Halliburton. <laughs> <laughs> never... but I don't get him at all, but he is just so powerful and dreamy. <laughs> but having a record of your thinking at the time 
it's it's a really nice way to keep yourself honest and also to take a bit of the emotion out of investing. So you have your reasons. Here's why I bought it. Here's what I expect to happen with this company, be it a new product or you know something about management made me happy. And then also, here are the things that would make me reconsider my investment position. And review that occasionally, especially when you're feeling the itchy trigger finger. Right. When the stock drops, that'll influence whether you buy more or whether yeah. you want to... Yeah. yeah, I bought this stock because I My really thesis like, holds. Yeah, and well, yeah. and the CEO. I I think the CEO is really you know great in the driver's seat of this company. Same CEO, same big product. Then okay, I'm going to hold on. Right. Coincidentally, we just had a meeting of the investing group, which is all the analysts at the Motley Fool. And the same question came up. You know, everyone writes down their thesis. I think a lot of people have done that. They have to because they're writing articles about it, right? How do you monitor that? How do you stay on track of that? It's a problem or something even uh, experienced investors struggle with, but they also recognize it's important. Right. So, this, what we've been talking about here is really investing 101. And we could do a 201, 301. I mean, we could do a whole graduate course on how to invest right. and how to research stocks. So, this is really just the first step for you guys at home to, to buy that first stock. So, before. We change topics here. What is your number one best piece of advice for someone who's about to buy their first stock? Buy your stock and then go on vacation, (laughs) preferably to Italy. Diana's about to go on vacation to Italy, by the way. (laughs) Uh, I've talked about this in previous podcasts, but I do like buying consumer companies that I bring my kids to so that we can have the discussion. So, we have Starbucks, we have Home Depot. So we can go and we can walk around. I'm like, okay, what do you think? How do you think they're doing? How do you think they're making money? Because it really is a business education, as well. So I would say, you know, start there. But again, start small. Um, my first, my first investment in Home Depot back in 1997 was 500 dollars, and that's all I need to do. And I still own those shares, and I've bought more. But that's all I need to do to get in the game. Well, I think it's important. You learn so much just when you buy that first stock. Right. So just buying that first stock is such an education. So, we've gotten a lot of listener emails and comments and it's awesome we and love I wanted you. To, we love you guys and I wanted to call some out. So, the first one I wanted to call out is Rick P over in NYC. He was so psyched to hear us talk about the villages in Florida because his in-laws have lived there for 10 years and they've visited a dozen times. So, he gave us a little bit of an inside scoop. Um, He let us know that there used to be a drive-in movie theater, but they had to close it because residents were having loofah time in their golf carts. (laughs) We need to remind people what we're talking about here, that the village is a retirement community that... uh, Yeah, have golf carts, and uh, if you want to indicate that you have, oh, you're interested in open relationships, you put a loofah on the antenna of your golf cart. Rumor has it. Rumor That's has it, and I'm going to confirm it. I'm going to be there in a week, not for loofah-related activities, <laughs> just because my dad lives close by. So, what? How are you planning on confirming? You just asking, or are you going to like I'm just drive around around, in yeah, the loofah and see it, what happens? As I said, before, villages is awesome, and they've got great stores and great restaurants, and so I'll probably go there and just kind of keep an eye out for things. Maybe snap a few photos if you know what I'm saying. I'm very excited about what's going to happen. So, Rick wanted us to let us know that the real secret of the villages is the family that owns it. It's the Morse family. Um, If you look at a village-produced map, the center of villages is a dark, shaded area populated only by the logo, and that's where the Morses live. And at night, all you hear are screams, screams. (laughs) He didn't say that, but it's probably, I don't know. 
Anyway, they own the whole property, and very little is known about them. Well, so, I suggest that might be your point of going, interest yeah, when you visit. Someone's going to be heading to the Heart of Darkness <laughs> the under Dark the Village's <laughs> logo on the map. Wear your Kevlar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to hear, hear how it goes. Uh, we also received another uh, email from Troy C. regarding budgets. He wanted to let us know that he uses an app called Tosh. L T O S H L finance. Um, I hadn't heard of it either, but when I looked up it online, um, it's got good reviews. And he says that um, they use it to track their budget daily. Um, they roll over the averages and credits to the next day. The whole family can use it, so um, they can see in real time and deduct from what they feel like they have left. And so he feels like it is like having a wad of cash in his pocket mm-hmm. that he can. I'm paraphrasing. Sorry, sorry, Troy. Um, anyway, he said household members are able to input their expenses on their phone, and it syncs with the account and the budget. He says he's tested a dozen apps, and this is what fit their needs best. Oh, cool! So, Thanks for the tip. That's yeah, a recommendation. That's great. And that's a great thing about having something on your phone, and you have like you're married and you have kids and stuff like that. Everyone can record everything right then and there in real time. Right. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Alan wants to know. Alan E wants to know why he's not getting invited to our office or holiday parties. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't know we had parties. Okay. I wasn't getting invited either, I guess. You know what? I have a plus one. Next party, you're in. <laughs> Careful. I think he's going to take you up on that. Unless I have a cigo by then. <laughs> All right, we also get great reviews from you guys on iTunes, which we really appreciate. So I wanted to read some of these because they're funny to me. Uh, Kim and Ig says that we are really helpful and have smart money tips. She says, I love what you guys do. He or she says, I love what you guys do. It's like having a pal who is really smart, and smart is in air quotes, <laughs> but, also, <laughs> but also polite, funny, and also doesn't judge. Aww. Which, it's not It's not true. No. We judge very harshly. We're like, judging you all right I'm now, I'm secretly actually. judging Allison's clogs right I'm not now. wearing clogs. I'm wearing slippers today. Ew. That's an on- What's wrong with slippers? <laughs> Please put that back on your phone. I work at the Molly Fool. I'm going to wear slippers. All right, we also have another one. Um, it's your robe, really, that I find offensive. <laughs> You're the one who wears a robe. I do wear a robe in the office, everybody. All right, Pink Dragon, a bunch of numbers on iTunes, also said, it's the most entertaining investing podcast. Thank you. I listen in my car in the morning, and it wakes me up. These girls and that one guy are very funny. This is by far the best investing podcast for beginners. My only knock is it's too short. Oh, so we're going to make this one two hours? So sit back and relax, everybody. Oh, it's a possibility this one is two hours long. It is possible. We've been talking. But from one of those girls, thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you from the other girl. Oh, wait. (laughs) That's me. Um. So, yeah, thanks, everyone, for your letters and kind words and thoughts. Um, We really appreciate it when you guys leave reviews and ratings for us on iTunes. It helps our ratings, and it helps uh, attract more people to the podcast. So, thanks, you guys. You're great. We love you. We do. We do. And we judge you. Well. Some of us more harshly than others. How can you truly love something without being a little (laughs) skeptical and judgy? (laughs) So, we're, we're more discerning than anything else. All right. That's going to do it for today. I do want to mention that any stocks mentioned today are not recommendations to buy, so don't buy and sell stocks solely on what you hear on the show. Believe me. <laughs> don't don't buy some of the stocks I've bought. 
we're going to have a podcast episode dedicated to Allison's stock picks. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. Aww. laughs> well, we are judgy. <laughs> yeah, we can, that's fine. We can do that. We can talk about it. Uh, today's show is edited by Rick Engdahl. It's taped by Dan Boyd. Thanks, Dan Boyd. Theme music written and performed by Dayana. Our email is answers at fool.com. Please, 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 if you have a moment, rate us on iTunes. And again, our new ebook on Amazon is called The Motley Fool Guide to Investing for Beginners. It's a fun read and it can set you or a loved one up on a path for a glorious future of investing. For the other girl and that guy, I'm Allison Southwick. Fool on. <laughs> <laughs>